Well, good evening, everyone. Welcome to our Sunday night Bible fellowship. We're so glad you're here today. Is it hot outside or what? Woo-wee. If you're watching online, we're glad to have you as well. And we're just glad to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. It's good to be here to study a portion of His Word. And as you all can very well tell, I am not Harley. I told you folks last week he would be here and sitting in a chair and teach a little bit. He found out that that wasn't going to happen. He's got surgery coming up, and so he's asked me to fill in till he gets back. So y'all stuck with me. Will you, will you not leave the church on account of that? Amen. Y'all stick around, and he will be back. Going to have refreshments? Amen. We all, we all about refreshments, aren't we? <laughs> uh, last week, as you know, we hurried through 32 chapters of the book of Genesis. I mean, we hurried through it. And that's just a little too much to cover for me. Now, Harley can do that. He's brilliant. But for me, that's a little bit much to bite off. And so uh, we talked about what I should try to teach and I am teaching on the seven Jewish festivals in our Sunday morning class and he asked why not teach it tonight and so it makes sense to me I've already got a lesson prepared for them and I can just share it with you folks now if y'all are getting a double dose like Miss Tammy right here you might want to go somewhere else tonight <laughs> but uh, we're glad you're here we're going to try to take a look at the Old Testament still I know Harley wants to go through the Old Testament, and we're actually going to be in the book of Exodus and Leviticus, the majority of this study. And we'll look at a few verses in the New Testament as well. But we're going to look at the seven Jewish festivals or seven Jewish feasts that they celebrate. And if you're familiar with your Bible, you know that these took place after they were delivered from slavery from the Egyptians. They were in bondage and in slavery for 400 years. If you remember last week, we ended the book of Genesis, and Joseph was there, and his family came to Egypt to partake of the grain. The famine was in the land, and Joseph was in charge of the food, so that worked out great. God put him in that position to spare the lives of many. That's what Joseph told us. And so we ended the book of Genesis with Joseph in Egypt and his father Jacob came there and passed away and uh, he said, don't leave my bones here. Carry me back to our land and bury me there. And the same with Joseph. He was carried out of Egypt to be buried. But uh, if you remember... Joseph, in charge of everything, until he passed away. And when he passed away, a new Pharaoh come on the scene. And the children of Israel were put in slavery, just as Abraham had predicted. 400 years they were in slavery under the bondage of the Egyptians. And uh, it was quite a task. And then God rose up a man called Moses. Y'all have heard about him, I'm sure. And Moses came and 
God told him that you're going to get my people out of this slavery. So that's where we're going to look at. And the feast that we are going to look at, they have a lot to do with being delivered from the slavery. That's basically when they started, after the slavery was ended. Uh, and we know the final plague that God put on the Egyptians was what? The plague of the death of the firstborn. The firstborn, firstborn male of every family, firstborn of every beast, God slew them. If they didn't have the blood on the doorpost, the death angel came by. And that nailed it in the coffin for the Egyptians. That was all it took. They wanted to get rid of the Jews. They wanted to get them out of there and get them out of there quick. And so these feasts that we'll look at commemorates the freedom of slavery. And we'll look at that here in just a second. But before we do, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Does anybody need to mention someone, prayer requests? I think of our Wednesday night prayer list. Yes, Ray. Daryl Isley. All right. Let's remember this. Yes. Clarence's brother passed away. Peter Beasley's brother. Okay, yeah, I got you now. Okay. And let's remember Bill Jones, as I saw you, I remember Bill. Robert? Okay. Y'all know Pam and Pat, the twins, and Robert's dear wife. Let's remember her mother. Amen? All righty. Let's remember our pastor and Pastor Nick and Brother Harley with his leg surgery coming up. We want to remember him. And uh, I don't think this is going to be a very, very quick surgery, get well quick kind of thing. It's going to probably take a little bit to get over what he's got to face. And I understand his shoulder is hurt as well. Any other requests? I know Brother Kenneth has got a procedure coming up. And there's several in my class that I could mention our Sunday morning class that's got things. We see Brother Roger in here. Let's remember him. He doesn't have a treatment this week, but he's got one next week. Right, Roger? Let's remember Roger. Pray for my wife, Lori. She's a little down with a bug, and I'm not going to shake hands or give out autographs tonight because I got a little bug too. So let's just nod at one another. Amen. I don't want to give you all what I got. Yes. Your brother, Ray Braswell. Okay. All right. Let's remember this request. Any others right before we pray? Okay. Let's try to pray, and we'll get started with this lesson. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you tonight with grateful hearts. We thank you for the ability to be here. We thank you, Lord, that you have allowed us to be in your house again tonight to study a portion of your word. Father, we ask you to teach us, to guide us, to fill our hearts with your word. May we look at your word and glean from it. May we go home tonight thinking about what your word has to say and what it means to us as believers. We lift up these requests that's been made mention. Lord, there's many on our hearts. 
we thank the little Jordan family, Jordan Rhodes. We thank the little fella Keats with cancer. All those on our cancer list, Lord, those facing upcoming surgeries. These requests tonight, Lord. Sylvia's brother, we pray for him. Lord, these that have been mentioned here tonight, we ask that the great physician touch and lead and guide and direct the doctors. And Lord, may you bring a speedy recovery and give healing, Lord. We know all healing comes from you. We pray for Brother Harley that you'll touch, Lord, and guide the doctor's hands. May his surgery be easy. May he recover quickly. May you give him strength, Lord, to get back on his feet. We pray for Bill Jones, Lord. We ask you, God, to touch in that situation. All those, Lord, that have asked someone to be prayed for, we pray, God, that uh, you'll touch in each situation. Help me tonight, Lord. Help me tonight as I try to teach your word. We thank you and we love you and we praise you for loving us. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. All right, folks, as we look at these tonight, I started out with the seven Jewish festivals. And if you'll turn in your Bibles, you have your Bibles? Y'all not going to just sit there and look at me. You got your Bibles? Turn into Leviticus chapter 23. We're going to read a few verses. And you can thumb back and find Exodus chapter 12. We're going to look at a few verses there as well. And again, I remind you, these feasts took place. God commemorated these feasts after the Jewish people had come out of slavery. And these feasts were done as a memorial, a remembrance, a holy convocation, as we'll see here in a minute, to remember how God delivered them from the bondage of slavery that they were in. Just to jumpstart us off here, let's look at the book of Leviticus, chapter 23. And if you'll read that as for your homework assignment, take your time, read it when you feel like it. But all seven of these feasts that we're going to talk about are in this one chapter. They're all right here in this chapter. It doesn't tell a whole lot about each one of them. But all seven of them are mentioned right here in this chapter. And these seven feasts, these appointed times, they're called holy convocations. Now, a holy convocation is a holy assembly of the people. In this case, it's going to be the 12 tribes of Israel. God has going to call them. He's going to call them to meet and have this celebration. And so, have this feast. And it's to remember. It's to remember what God's done for them. And the provision that he's provided for them. So, before we go too far, let's just read a few verses. Just to jump start in right here, I want to point out a few things. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Now remember, Moses is the lawgiver, right? And he's speaking instructions to the children of Israel. Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, Concerning the feast of the Lord, which ye shall proclaim to be holy convocations, even these are my feast. I want you to notice that. God says these are my feast. And I expect, he didn't say this, I'm saying this, but he's expecting them to pay attention and to carry out these feasts. These are my feasts, 
you shall proclaim them, the, these holy convocations, these holy assemblies, if you will. Even these are my feasts. Notice verse 3. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of rest, a holy convocation. Ye shall do no work therein. It is a Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwellings. These are the feasts of the Lord, even holy convocations, which ye shall proclaim in their seasons. Now notice that because a lot of these feasts take place at certain parts of the year, harvest times. In the fourteenth day of the first month at even is the Lord's Passover. Now that's the feast we're going to cover tonight and I will name all of the feasts here in a moment but that's the one we're going to talk about tonight the Lord's Passover and these feasts were times of celebration they were not only uh, important but they were important to the nation of Israel they're important to the overall message of the Bible because they foreshadow and symbolize an aspect of the life, the death, and the resurrection of Christ. They, they point to Christ, these feasts. And if you think about it, the Lord Jesus has come and fulfilled the majority of these feasts. There are some still yet to be fulfilled in the millennium, but the majority of these feasts have been fulfilled when the Jewish nation, their Messiah, came, the Lord Jesus Christ. But we know that the nation itself did not recognize him as their Messiah. But one day they will. You go read Romans chapter 11 and you'll see one day the nation of Israel will trust the Lord Jesus as their Messiah. It's in the Bible and it will happen. But tonight we're going to talk about the, the Passover. That's the first one mentioned there. And if you read verse 6, and on the 15th day of the same month is the Feast of Unleavened Bread... Unto the Lord, seven days you must eat unleavened bread. Next week we're going to talk about unleavened bread. But tonight we're going to talk about the Passover. Now I want you to turn over with me in the book of Exodus, chapter 12. And we're going to take a look at the Passover feast. Y'all remember the Passover, correct? This is when the Lord Jesus, I mean the Lord God, well Lord Jesus as well, he uh, instituted this ceremony, and I'm just going to read some of these verses because it's very important that we understand it. Uh, God speaks to Moses, and he talks about this feast, and he talks about it being a holy convocation, a holy assembly, and these appointed times are to be kept in honor of God's name. And to point out also the attendance was required. In Deuteronomy chapter 16, it says there that all the males were required to attend at least three of these feasts. They were required to attend them. It wasn't no laying out of church. Amen? They had to show up. They had to be there. Deuteronomy 16, 16. But these feasts, they often began with a Sabbath and they ended with a Sabbath. And we know what the Sabbath is. On the Sabbath day... It's holy. There's no work to be done on the Sabbath. 
God created the heavens and the earth and all that is therein in six days and on the seventh day. He said that would be a day of rest. And so that's, he honored that day and said it's the day that uh, there was to be no work done for the Jewish nation. And we know in the uh, Ten Commandments, that's one of the commandments. Honor the Sabbath day and to keep it holy. And so God tells us, uh, his Jewish people, that they're to honor these days and these feasts. And the first one we're going to get into is the Feast of the Passover. Let's look at uh, Exodus again. Read a few verses there. Exodus chapter 12, And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Here God gives the start of these feasts. He gives us the time and the month that is the beginning of these seven feasts. The beginning feast is Passover, and he gives us the first month that it starts. Their first month here is the beginning of the year, if you will. And this month is in the springtime, early March, early April. We know it today is what? We celebrate what then? Easter. Amen. But there, this was the Passover for them. He says, Speak ye unto the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month ye shall take to them every man a lamb according to his house of their father, a lamb for his house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. There was to be none left over. It was to be eaten. It was to be completely consumed. And so they did not put more in there than they could eat. And if you had more than your family could eat, you brought in a neighbor. Your lamb, verse 5, shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. Ye shall take it out of the sheep or from the goats, and ye shall keep it up until the fourteenth day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. Now let's not rush by. This lamb has to be without blemish. Has to be without spot. Does that remind you of something? Our Lord Jesus. He is without sin. Our Lord Jesus had no sin. He was sinless, spotless, Lamb of God. Israel shall kill it in the evening, and they shall take the blood and strike it on the two sides of the post and on the upper doorpost of the house wherein they shall eat. And that reminds us of what? It's on this side of the door, this side of the door, and on top. It's a picture of the cross, isn't it? That's where the blood was. And they shall eat the flesh of that in that night, roast with fire, unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs, they shall eat it. Eat it not raw, sodden at all, with the legs and with all the pertinence therein. Everything about it was to be consumed. And ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning. And that which remaineth of it until the morning ye shall burn with fire. And thus shall ye eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, 
and your staff in your hand. Why? They're about to make a quick exit. They're about to make an exit fast out of Egypt. Can you imagine? Now, we're going to see here in a minute. The death angel's going to come by. I'll get to that in a minute. I'm getting ahead of myself. But they're to eat this dressed, ready to go. They're to eat it, ready to move out. They're to be packed up and ready to go. And they're to eat this. He says in verse 12, For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and I will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Amen. The Lord God's doing this. He says, And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the house where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Amen. I like that. I like that. When I see the blood, I'll pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Two more verses. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial. Here we go. This is something there to keep. And ye shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout all your generations. Throughout your generations ye shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. Seven days. I'm getting too ahead of myself. That's unleavened bread. That's next week. Verse 14 there. We'll stop right there. But this is to be a memorial, and they're to keep it throughout their generations. They're to remember it. They're to remember what God is about to do for them. They have this appointed time. It's the beginning of the year for them. The attendance is required. They're to show up. You know, some folks today don't seem to think it's important to show up to church, do they? They were required back then to show up to this memorial feast. And again, they began these Sabbaths when uh, they began these feasts at the end of the Sabbath, and they lasted all week long, this feast. But notice here, this feast is important to Israel because they celebrate the day when God delivered them out of slavery. Out of the hands of the Egyptians, 400 years they were there. 400 years they slaved night and day and day and night and made brick after brick after brick and, and, and no telling what all is over in Egypt that the slaves built. It's just no telling. But this is a time of rejoicing for them because of their delivery from slavery. Again, I repeat, this is a foreshadowing, a symbolization of the aspects of the life and the death and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, God took the Jewish people and he pointed them to their Messiah. He showed them, he pointed them to their Messiah, but they missed him. He came into his own and his own received him not. They missed him. So... That's what happened there. This was a time of worship and fellowship. All 12 tribes of Israel would be coming together to come and celebrate. You think about the 12 tribes of Israel. They would all get together to celebrate in these feasts. They would learn from one another. They would worship God together. 
they would get together and if this one had something and this one didn't, this tribe didn't, they would share. It was a time for them to come together. If you think about hundreds of years later, when the 12 tribes separated, you had the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. Part of the reason was they just didn't get together again and keep the feasts as they were supposed to. And so they kind of fell apart. That tells me that, you know, that's, that's sad when a church doesn't get together and have fellowship together and come together and hear the sound of the word. It could possibly fall apart, couldn't it, you know. But these tribes, they, they were required to come together and to come together and to worship. And as they were together, it was a time of thanksgiving and a time of praising God for his provisions. We'll see later on that some of these uh, uh, feasts, like the Feast of Pentecost and all, was, was done during the harvest time when God blessed them with the grain. And they even do a, a, a wave offering of the grain. We'll get to that a little later on. But uh, this was a time when God would provide for them, give them their provisions, and we see that in the coming days. These feasts contain God's instructions to his chosen nation on how they were to worship and also the duties of the priest. The priests learned their duties as to what they should do, and these feasts... Uh, were something for the Old Testament Jew. I want to put this in here. You know and I know that the Jew was under the law. You and I are under what? We're under grace. These feasts aren't for us to celebrate in our day. Paul tells us in Colossians chapter 2, verse 16 and 17, he says, Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect to an holy day, or of a new moon, or of a Sabbath day, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. You and I today, we look back and we learn from what they did and the principles that were set in these feasts. That's what I want us to learn, the principles there. They're good for us today. We're not under the law, thank God. We're under grace. We don't have to go out here and carry on these feasts, but there's a principle in these feasts that's good for us to learn. That's what I want us to learn, because they pointed to who? Our Savior. They pointed to Christ. These feasts uh, uh, symbolize the life, death, and burial, and, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. So that's what I want to point out about them. And it was a time of thanksgiving there, a time that they uh, could thank God for all that he's done, delivering them, supplying their need, and everything that he did. Let me move on here. This first feast we'll look at, as we just saw here, is the Passover. What does it represent for you and me? What is the principle there? It's the principle of the crucifixion and the death of Christ. He is our Passover. The Bible teaches us that. Uh, the Bible teaches us, we're going to get to here in just a moment. John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. His crucifixion, his death, and his burial made an atonement for you and for me, took care of our sin. 
When we put our faith and trust in him, he becomes our Passover, our lamb, if you will. So it represents that. Again, let's move on here. We read Exodus chapter 12, uh, and I'm going to name the feast right now, and we'll come back to the Passover again. The feast of the Passover represents the crucifixion, the death of Christ. The unleavened bread represents the fellowship we have with Christ because of his death. You and I can come into the presence of a holy, righteous God because the veil in the temple was rent when Christ died on that cross. We can come into the presence of a holy God, into that holy of holies, if you will, that the Jewish person couldn't do that. They had to send the high priest in there once a year to make atonement. But you and I, we can come right into the presence of our Heavenly Father. We can call on Him anytime. We can bend our knee and call on Him. The Feast of First Fruits represents the resurrection of Christ, and we'll get to that a little later. But uh, He is the first one to come out of that grave, never to die again. Never to die again. We'll look at the Feast of Pentecost. And we know that on the 50th day after his ascension back to heaven, the church was born. In the New Testament, the Holy Spirit was sent. The great comforter was sent, the Holy Spirit, to indwell the believer. And the church was born. There's a feast, a feast of trumpets where Israel was brought back into the land. And some of this has happened in our day. And some of it is still yet future. Israel is in their land over there today, but everybody over there wants to run them out of their land, don't they? I mean, they're at war all the time with everybody. All the Arabs want to annihilate them, push them on out into the ocean and do away with them. But one day, they're going to be given all of that promised land over there. And what they're in right now is not all of it. If you go back and look in the Old Testament, it teaches that they're going to own all the land from the Euphrates River all the way down to Egypt. That's quite a bit of land that they still have yet to possess. So that's still a little yet future, but the Feast of Trumpets we'll talk about. There's a feast of the Great Day of Atonement. That's where the high priest would go in with the blood of an animal and sprinkle it on the mercy seat to make atonement for the sins of the nation. And that was done for you and me. I believe the Lord Jesus Christ, when he died on that cross, when he ascended to heaven, I believe he took his blood and he placed it upon the mercy seat in heaven. That's what Hebrews tells us. The book of Hebrews teaches us that. And I believe his blood is there on the mercy seat in heaven for you and for me, for you and for me. All those that have put their faith and their trust in Christ, he's made an atonement for you and for me. And we'll get to that when we see about that. And then there's the Feast of the Tabernacles. When they dwelt in booths in the wilderness. And again, this is a, also a future uh, promise of how that they will indwell in the promised land still yet to come during the millennial kingdom the nation of israel will be given the land over there that god promised abraham isaac and jacob their days coming when god made that promise he did not 
take it back. He's not done with the nation of Israel. He's going to fulfill that promise that he made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And one day, it, we're going we're gonna to be there. We're going to be there and see it happen when the millennial kingdom takes place. And God allows his children, the Israelites, to dwell in their promised land. So the first feast here we just looked at, the Feast of Passover. All of the children of Israel were required to take the Passover. They were required to come and to take this little lamb. They were required to take it inside their home and to prepare it and to eat it, to consume it. They were to put the blood on the doorpost, and the death angel passed through the land and killed all the firstborn of man and beast. I told my class this morning, can you imagine waking up in the morning and the firstborn in your house is dead? You look outside and you see your neighbor, the firstborn in their house is dead. You call your cousin and their firstborn is dead. You call your neighbors on down the street, their firstborn is dead. There are dead animals everywhere, the firstborn dead animals everywhere. Can you imagine what a shock that was, what a terror that was? Can you imagine how old King Pharaoh felt when his firstborn son was dead? Moses told him it would happen. Let my people go. Let my people go. And he would not listen. All the plagues that God poured out on him, and he hardened his heart. He hardened his heart. But on this last plague, the death of the firstborn, that was the one that really shook him. That got his attention. That tore him up so bad that all the nation of Egypt said, okay, get out of here. Get them out of here. Get them out of here. You read the story, they even gave them jewelry. They gave them gold. They gave them provisions. They gave them all the supplies they need. Just get out of here. Take it. Go. We want you gone. We want you gone. We're, we're done with you. So after being their slaves for 400 years, Egypt says, that's enough. That is enough. Get out of here. And that's why they ate the Passover with their shoes on, with their clothes on, because they had to be going in a hurry. They had to be ready to go in a hurry. The, the Egyptians ran them out of town, if you will. They ran them out and in a hurry, in a haste. And uh, I like the part where we read a moment ago where it says, when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. You know what? That's good for me and good for you, isn't it? Our sins are under the blood. When the Heavenly Father looks down at old Lee and Lee messes up and Lee makes a sin and Lee does wrong and Lee's an old, dirty, rotten sinner and, and, and God looks down upon me and he sees the blood of Christ covers my sin. I'm one of his. Amen. When he sees the blood... Jesus says, that's one of mine, Father. I can be counted worthy in his sight. I can be counted worthy to be a child of God, one of the children of God, all because I've been covered by the blood. Atonement has been made, and my sins are forgiven because I'm under the blood. 
It's our redemption for sin, the precious blood of Christ. He is our redemption. He is our Savior. He's the one that come to redeem us, and he has done this for us, for you and for me. And again, the Passover is a fulfillment by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. If you look up 1 Corinthians 5, 7 there, you see where uh, the Apostle Paul says that for even Christ, our Passover is sacrificed for us. That's the second half of that verse, if you look it up. 1 Corinthians 5, 7, he says, For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Paul called Jesus our Passover. And so, he is our Passover. The Lord Jesus Christ, in Matthew chapter 26, verses 17 through 27, if you'd like to turn there with me, we can read some of that. We know that the Lord Jesus Christ, he's having the Lord's Supper with his disciples. And he's about to be betrayed. And he's about to be taken off and sent for judgment. And then eventually sent to the cross. But here in Matthew chapter 26, we see the Lord getting ready to face those that are coming to arrest him. And here he is observing the Passover. In Matthew chapter 26, notice verse 17 there, if you will. Now the first day of the feast of the unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying unto him, Where wilt thou that we prepare for thee to eat the Passover? And he said, Go into the city to such a man... And saying to him, The master saith, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at thy house with my disciples. Here we see it was the practice of the Jews to keep the Passover, and the Lord Jesus Christ was keeping the Passover. And verse 19, And the disciples did as Jesus had appointed them, and they made ready the Passover. Now when the evening was come, he sat down with the twelve, and as they did eat, he said, Verily I say unto thee, that one of you shall betray me. And of course we know who that was. That was Mr. Judas. And they were exceedingly sorrowful, and began to every one of them to say unto him, Lord, is it I? He answered and said, He that dippeth his hand with me in the dish, the same shall betray me. The Son of Man goeth as it is written of him, but woe unto him, woe unto that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It had been good for that man if he had not been born. Now we know he's speaking of Judas. Then Judas, which betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? He said unto him, Thou hast said... And as they were eating, Jesus took the bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to the disciples, and said, This is my body. And he took the cup, and gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink, ye sh drink ye all of it, for this is my blood, and the New Testament, which is shed for many, for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, 
I will not drink henceforth of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of my Father. Here's the Lord Jesus giving out the bread and the cup to his disciples celebrating the Passover and he tells them this is the bread and the cup of the New Testament and this is my body broken for you this is my blood shed for you and this is what we celebrate today when we celebrate our Passover we don't celebrate as the Jews did we celebrate as the New Testament church does we celebrate two ordinances in our church we celebrate communion and baptism and because Christ told us to he said do this in remembrance of me as often as you do this remember you're remembering my death till I come notice there that he says at the very last verse I read there that I will not partake of this fruit of the vine until I drank it in my father's kingdom this is just my personal belief. I honestly believe that during the millennial kingdom, a lot of these uh, sacrifices, a lot of these feasts will be reinstituted during the millennial kingdom. Christ says here that, and he says it also in Luke chapter uh, 22, he says, I will not take of the vine until I enter into the kingdom, the Father's kingdom. So many scholars believe, and I do too, I'm not a scholar, but many people believe that the temple will be rebuilt during the millennial kingdom, and they'll reinstitute some of the sacrifices, they'll reinstitute some of the feast, and the Lord Jesus says right here that he'll partake of the vine when he enters into the kingdom. And we pray that all the time when we say, "Not Father, thy will be done, thy kingdom come. Don't we say that when we pray the Lord's Prayer, so-called Lord's Prayer? Thy will be done, thy kingdom come. That's what we're praying. But if you read on in this chapter, you'll see where Judas portrays the Lord. The Lord Jesus Christ goes out to the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's there praying, and he prays, Father, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. And he prays it three times he goes back and his disciples he took with him Peter James and John they're there asleep they're so their eyes are so heavy read it in this chapter and it's in the other gospels and uh, they they're so weary and it's he goes back that third time Lord if it be thy will let this cup pass from me the Lord knew what would that cup meant that cup meant the sin the degradation all the evil of the whole world was going to be placed on him on that cross and when they came and they arrested him that was the beginning of mine and your Passover he went to that cross for you and he went to that cross for me he shed his blood for you and he shed his blood for me and that was when our Passover happened when they arrested our Lord in that garden of Gethsemane and they took him off to be tried and eventually nailed him to a cross so if you read that chapter there you'll see that picture of what happened and Jesus went before the the priest he went before Pilate and on and on and he went there for you he went there for me
And he suffered, bled, and died for you and for me, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the whole world. In the New Testament, the Bible establishes the relationship between the Passover lamb and the Lord Jesus Christ. I read you a moment ago, 1 Corinthians 5, 7. Paul says, the Lord Jesus is our Passover. He is our sacrifice. John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. John 1, 29. The Apostle Peter links the Lamb without defect in Exodus 12, 5 with the Christ whom he calls the Lamb without blemish and without spot. Our holy, sinless Son of God was our Lamb. He was without sin. He was without spot. He says here and also uh, in Hebrews 4, 15, it says, Because his life was completely free from sin, he is without blemish. In Revelation, John says that, Behold, he's the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. Revelation 5, 6. Jesus was crucified during the time of the Passover, Mark 14, 12. When they partook of the Passover feast, he was actually captured that night and taken into custody and hauled off to be judged and crucified for you and for me. He is our Passover lamb. The Bible says believers have, a symbolic, have symbolically applied the sacrificial blood of Christ to their hearts and thus have escaped eternal death. Hebrews 9, 12, and 14 says the blood of calves and goats cannot cover our sins. The blood of animals is not sufficient. The blood of Christ is. Jesus, as our Passover lamb applied blood, caused the destroyer to pass over the housetop, the household. Christ, let me read that again. Just as the Passover lamb applied blood caused the destroyer to pass over each household. Christ's applied blood causes God's judgment to pass over sinners and gives life to the believers, Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. God is going to judge this Christ-rejecting, God-hating world. But if you're covered by the blood, you're safe. Amen? We are safe. As the first Passover marked the Hebrews' release from Egypt, slavery, so the death of Christ marks our release from the slavery of sin, Romans 8, 2. There's there now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. As the first Passover was to be held in remembrance as an annual feast, so Christians are to be memorialized. Christians are to memorialize the Lord's death in communion. That's our memorializing of the Passover. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six. This do as often as you do in remembrance of me. You do show my death until I come. 
So that's what we celebrate when we celebrate the Lord's Supper. The Old Testament Passover lamb, although a reality in that time, was a mere foreshadowing of the better and final Passover lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Through the, his sinless life and sacrificial death, Jesus became the only one capable of giving people a way to escape death and a sure hope of eternal life. 1 Peter 1, 20 and 21. You and I have eternal life because of what this Passover lamb's done for you and done for me. Eternal life. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, and I give unto them eternal life, and no man is going to pluck them out of my hand. Amen? That's a wonderful thing to think about and to remember. You have eternal life. Right now, you have eternal life. These old bodies are wearing out, but we have eternal life. We're going to live forever with God. Amen? That's a wonderful thing to think about. So just think about that. If you want to go back and read some of that in Leviticus there, next week we'll look at the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And that has to deal with having communion with your Savior. Your sins are under the blood. You can have communion with your Savior. You can have fellowship with your Savior. If you try your best to walk and live a holy life and stay prayed up, confessed up, you can have communion. Don't let sin get in the way and break that fellowship. Don't let it break that fellowship. You know, you can't walk in darkness. You're supposed to walk in light as he's in the light. Amen? Well, I'm going to let y'all out early. Y'all don't mind getting out early, do you? <laughs> All right. Any comments? Any questions? All righty. Well, y'all are quiet bunch tonight. We will close out in prayer, and thank y'all for listening and putting up with me, and I pray Harley will be back soon for you, and he will continue probably his uh, Through the Old Testament series. But we're going to hang out in Leviticus and Exodus for a little while, okay? That's Old Testament. Yes, Ray? <laughs> <laughs> you are mighty kind brother well thank you so much I hope and pray it was a blessing to all of you I, God's word is always good no matter who's talking about it amen God's word to God be the glory we're going to give him the glory bless your heart brother you're mighty kind let's go to the Lord and pray Father we do love you and we do praise you for loving us and Lord we thank you that we can get in your word and learn every time we get in it you have something for us every time we get in your word lord you speak to our hearts help us lord to be faithful and and to study your word each day of our lives don't not just on sunday but help us lord to feast on it thank you again lord that we can meet together and fellowship with one another and lord we lift up these prayer requests that was mentioned earlier we pray, Father, that you'll touch and heal those that need your touch. Until we meet again, Lord, keep us all safe and in your hands, and may we come back in one piece. And thank you again for salvation. Thank you, dear God, for that old rugged cross, for your precious blood that was shed for us all. Thank you so much, Lord. We praise you for it. We ask in Christ's name. Amen. God bless you.